So if I get in a podium, I'm literally just going to speak to this side, and then you guys will just eavesdrop. That's just how it is, right? All right. Good morning. Good morning. Nah, yeah, now you're awake. Thank you. I just needed some energy to take back to Maryland, you know, so to let them know that, uh, that uh, they took care of me when I was up here. And uh, I'm so glad to, to be here and to be sharing with you this morning and uh, in this amazing place among some amazing people and above all uh, among an incredible brother and a friend uh, that, uh, yeah, we were in our 30s and yeah, <laughs> I think that we don't, we can't even count, uh, <laughs> I think we don't even remember how old we are, it's just, just, just the passing of time, but uh, as it's been stated uh, over the years that I've come here, uh, how much uh, he really means to me and the connection that he and his brother Tyron, um, when I started of becoming a part of that, that group of men, who would just traipse about the country, just meeting strategically in specific cities around the country just for the sole purpose of praying for that city. So whether we were in Seattle, Tacoma, or whether we were in Baltimore, or whether we were in Massachusetts, or whether we were in Texas, uh, wherever we would go, we would gather in that particular city a room on the highest floor in the highest hotel would be rented and the men would gather in that room and with the curtains pulled, we'd look out over the city and we'd begin to pray for that city. We begin to pray for that city that God would have an impact, that God and the spirit of the Lord would move in that place. And uh, it's amazing how relationships can be forged when men are bending their knees before a higher God. And, uh, and so relationships were forged in that space and, and, uh, and a connection was made and uh, our background and our stories and our upbringing and our influences were similar and tied so uh, in a way that none of us could have ever scripted. So he literally right, I don't have to have spoken to him, but I can sense something in the spirit with him and, and such. And that's how the ties that God has brought us together. So, uh, so brother, I, I'm here, man. I just, you know, you my boy, you know, without question, ride or die, ride or die. And, uh, and uh, you can't say that about everybody. And just remember anybody and everybody who tells you they're, they're your friend, that's not always true. And uh, especially preachers, they lie a lot, you know what I mean? And uh, <laughs> they, they don't mean to, they mean well, but you know, but they invite you in and they'll say, you know, I just want to introduce my friend before you. And here's the funny part, he's never met me before that. And the only reason why I'm at his service is because somebody in his church was having a program and got his permission to bring me in because they heard me. And so they bring me in and I'm there and he's introducing everybody as a friend. And dude, I just met you five minutes ago. We're nowhere near friends. And I know you're not going to call me even after this thing is over. And it's true. He never calls me afterwards. So I'm like, stop calling me a friend, you know. So, so, uh, so generally, I don't let them get away with that one. But I let him get away with that one because it's the truth. And uh, so my name is Abraham. And so let me tell you how strategic my relationship with him and his brother. So my name is Abraham. And so his brother, Tyron, calls me Abe. He calls me Ham. 
So, so that is the uniqueness of our relationship. I'm sandwiched between the two of them, one who knows me as Abe and the other one knows me as Ham. And, uh, and it's beautiful. So happy Father's Day to all of the dads who are here and the one day dads to be. So can we just give a round of applause for all the dads? It's not easy being a dad. And, and uh, so we're glad that you're here and uh, I'm here and, and uh, I have four uh, wonderful uh, adult children. I have four wonderful adult children. I have four wonderful adult children. I have four wonderful adult children. Those of you who don't have adult children don't appreciate that yet, but those of you who do, your laugh should have been louder, your hat clapping should have been louder. I have four grown children, and uh, I'm so excited about that. My second excitement is that they're all on their own. Yeah, so my wife and I, are yeah, there it is, there it is. So we are empty nesters, my wife and I. So all of my children, I have three sons, one girl. My oldest is 38. My second born is 33. My third born is 27. And my fourth born is 24. Three boys and one girl. I got one that lives in California, San Diego. He's an executive chef. I have one that lives in Atlanta, Georgia, and he's a, a, a passionate about music and works for a, a, a football entertainment company. And then I have my third born, who is the principal of our school there in Maryland, and my daughter, who is in medical school, going to be a physician. And uh, so I'm so proud of all of my kids, and uh, they are wonderful. And uh, I'm just so blessed and, and have sons and daughters across the country and uh, on other continents. And, uh, and so what a great day uh, to re be recognized and a great day to recognize God our Father. So, uh, so now, now I did all that to get all that out of the way so that I can go straight to the message so you can love me now and hate me later. So, so that's the reason why I got all the good stuff out so that you can say you did like me in the beginning. So you can say that I didn't right off the bat make you hate me and then be like, man, I hated him from the time he stood up to the time he sat down. So at least to some degree, you did like me in this exchange, uh, even if you don't remember me. So the liking part is over. Now let me get to the cutting as a skillful surgeon. And uh, so I want to talk to you this morning out of the gospel. I'm not the gospel, but the, the, the New Testament book of Corinthians. Uh, Second Corinthians is where I want to draw your attention to. So Second Corinthians uh, chapter 1 is what I want to sort of present to you and, and kind of share with you. And I've already been given the green light by the pastor to take liberty, so I'm going to do it. So I am going to ask you to suspend your watching of your watch because it won't matter how long you think I should be because I'm going to take my time today. Yeah, boy, I'm going to take my time. Yes, I am. Yep, yep. And uh, the, the, those of you who didn't clap got someplace to go, but that's okay. You can be mad at me if you want to, but it is what it's going to be. So, and give a shout out to our, our ministry back there in Maryland, the Center of Transformation, and, and uh, the staff that I have there that makes it possible for me to just travel and go and do the things apostolically that I do around the country. And uh, so, I'm in 2 uh, Corinthians. Did I mention it already? So, I'm in 2 Corinthians? Okay, and I'm in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And uh, here are the verses that I want to read, beginning with the third verse. And it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. 
For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. Right? So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. So y'all kind of heard that and see that and read that and bookmark that and reflect upon that later. Uh, almost sounds like a tongue twister because there's so much comfort in those verses, right? Praise be the God, our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in tr any trouble with comfort we ourselves receive from God for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. You get the theme? Comfort. You get the theme? Comfort. So I want to talk to you today about the seduction of comfort. I want to talk about the seduction of comfort. I want to talk to you about the seduction of comfort. Are you with me? The seduction of comfort. And I'm going to give it to you from four vantage points, four references. I'm going to give you a theological vantage point, so you're going to get it theologically. Then we'll give it to you pastorally. I've been a pastor for almost 30 years now. So I'm going to give it to you pastorally. Then I'm going to give it to you apostolically. And then I'm going to give it to you prophetically. So essentially, I'm going to give you a lot of leads before I leave. So I'm going to give it to you theologically. I'm going to give it to you pastorally. I'm going to give it to you apostolically. And I'm going to give it to you prophetically, which means I'm going to give you what? A lot of leads before I leave. Okay, you with me? All right. So I'm going to give it to you theologically. I'm going to give it to you pastorally. I'm going to give it to you apostolically. And I'm going to give it to you prophetically. Now, Depending on how you connect with me right now will determine what you're going to do in response to what you hear. So you either connect with me because you value and understand how God designs to deliver his message through a messenger. That is a human mouthpiece. So literally, we as leaders are voiceovers for God. We are the voice. God is invisible and immaterial, so you can't see him, and you literally can't see him, except that he attaches it to a human connection. We call it anthropomorphic. That is, God takes human terms to describe him so that we might better relate to him. So the way that you relate to me is whether or not you can make the leap that God uses human beings, that is, men and women, to convey his message to help impact your life. That's number one. So either you're going to connect with me that way or you will connect with me by virtue of the fact that you've been in church for a while and you know how this goes. You come in, there's worship, and then after there's worship, there's some announcements. And after some announcements, you know you get a sermon. And then after that, you know what to do with the sermon or not to do with it when the benediction is given. Or you're going to connect with me by virtue of the fact that my relationship with him, the fact that you trust him, you will trust then that he will never bring in anybody who he would put up before you to say, 
say something that will harm or hurt you. So by virtue of your relationship with him, you're going to drill in, you're going to lean in, and then you're going to receive what I say as if he himself was standing here and speaking to you. And then you'll thank him for bringing somebody else in. The downside of that is that I get to repeat what he's been telling you the whole time. Because most of the time, we'll only actually get it when we hear it being said the same way, in the, in, listen, by somebody else who's different. So that's the only downside to that. But you have to, so listen, I want you to make it clear that one thing, no matter how you decide to receive it today, you need to decide by the time this message is over that you are going to respond by taking some action. That has to be the total commitment that you give to this moment right here. So literally, here's what I will not accept when I finish. I will not accept you coming up to me telling me, good message, Bishop, because this is not about a good message. I do not want to accept from you, you know what, I really love your teaching, because this is really not about a good teaching. What this is really about is whether or not you're going to take this as the word of God and allow it to shape you in a way that there will be physical, visible evidence of a change in your life. Because that is literally what God is after. Okay, so let's just, so I got all that out of the way. So let me just say this to you. Let me give you, let me give you sort of the theological context, because that's what I do. I got to give you the theological context of these verses. So look at these verses. Let me lay it out to you. In verse 3, it said, praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, first of all, let me just, let's give praise to God. Amen, right? And that word praise is from the Greek word, which means where we get the English word eulogy or to eulogize. So when he says praise God, he says eulogize God. Eulogize, what do you do when you eulogize someone? You literally say things that they revealed about themselves when they were living. So when Paul says we ought to give God praise, he's literally saying that you're replaying back to God what he revealed about himself to you, which is the reason why we ought to be able to praise him. Because all week long, God has been revealing himself to you. God has been showing up and showing out in your life, even if you scratching your head trying to figure out what to praise him about just praise him on the fact that you woke up this morning you didn't have spiritual amnesia between last night you know how to get to where you're going you got to where you're going you're here because where you need to be doing what you need to be you may not be where you want to be but you're truly grateful you're not where you used to be and that's worth giving him the praise that he deserves amen somebody right so it says, praise be to God and our Father, happy Father's Day to our Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's what it says, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Y'all see that? Who comforts us with all of, in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any troubles with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So now, the word is comfort. The word is comfort. Somebody say comfort. Say it a little louder, we're a comfort. Now, you will see, now listen, I'm going to give you the Greek behind this in a moment because this is the theology of it. The word comfort, when you see the English of it throughout, particularly the New Testament, that word comfort is the same word in the Greek as the word beseech in the King James. It's the same word as the word consolation, which is the same word as the word urge, which is the same word as the same word exhortation. They're all 
the same Greek root or the same Greek meaning. So anytime you open in your Bible and you see the word consolation, you see the word comfort, you see the word exhortation, you see the word urge, you see the word, com listen, all of that word is the same word, it's the, sa it's the exact same same Greek word, same Greek meaning. Are you with me so far? Right? It's the exact same word. So if you read consolation, that's comfort. If you read exhortation, that's consolation. If you read consolation, that's the same as urge. It's the exact same word. It's the exact same word. You got me? And the, the most famous of one of those words is in John chapter 14, where Jesus says, I will send you another, what for, what, what, what? Okay, two of you. Okay, what's that? I'm going to send you another what? There it is. Three of y'all got it. I'm going to send you another comforter. Another comfort. That word comforter in John 14 is the same comfort in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Same word. It's the exact same word, same root word. So Jesus says, I'm going to send you another comforter. Another in the Greek means exactly the same as. So I'm going to send you exactly the same as me when I ascend to the Father. I'm going to send you a comforter. Another word for comforter is helper or aid or advocate. So when you think about it, any place where you see the word comfort, comforter, or exhortation, you can think of aid, helper, advocate, or counselor, right? So get, are y'all with me so far? Good, right. So, so think about that. It's the exact same word. So let me just give, me, give you a quick quiz. Is it the same word, yes or no? Yes. Okay, here's true or false. Is it the same word, true or false? True. Okay, here's the quiz. Is it the same word, yes or yes? yes. Oh, yeah, y'all yeah, a little sleep now. It's the exact same word. Okay, are you with me so far? And the word is a compound Greek word where we get the word parakletos or parakletos or parakleos. And the word parakleos, para compound, para means to come alongside. It means to come alongside, right? It means to come alongside to encourage, to inform, to instruct, to, it, to help. That's what that is, right? So think about it. So based on that, and there's two forms here in 2 Corinthians. I'm going to put it all together for you. Here's the two forms that are in 2 Corinthians. It says in the third verse, praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Now, how much comfort is he the God of? He's the God. Oh, yeah, woke up now. Come on, girl. He's the God of all comfort. Now, that comfort in the Greek, Paraclesis. Paraclesis, come alongside, and the clesis is the act or the message. So Paul is reminding his audience God is the God of all the message related to being comforted. He's the God of all of it. So however the act or message produces, it produces comfort, it produces calm, it produces it's confidence, it produces a, whatever that message and act is, God is over all. Amen. Amen, somebody, right? Amen. So the reason why you praise God is because God knows how to comfort you through a message that best meets you where you are. God knows that comfort is not one size fits all. Some of us need to be comfortable need somebody to come alongside of us and whisper to us and remind us that everything's going to be okay and others need somebody to come along and say, you know, 
you ain't got no doggone business being over there where you know you ain't got no doggone business being. Get your doggone behind over there in some doggone business. You ain't got no doggone business being behind. Now, some of y'all might get cussed out in that form, but that cussing got you moving, didn't it? So we all need to be comforted in some way that meets where we need. So no matter where you God is the God of all the the related to being comfortable. Right? Are you got So he's the God of all comfort. Watch this. He's the God of all comfort who comforts, verse 4, who comforts us in all our troubles. Now, the, who, the God of all comfort is the act or the message. In the next verse, it says, who comforts us. That's not the message. That's the person. So the God of all comfort in third verse is the God himself who comes along to come in verse. So he the act of the message becomes a person who comes alongside and speaks to us. So Paul is reminding you that God himself shows up to provide you the comfort that you need. Yes. Oh my goodness, I, this is so good. I'm telling y'all, I'm just so, you know, you got to learn, you know what y'all need to learn to do? You need to learn to talk to yourself sometimes. That's just the issue. And when you talk to yourself, you're talking to yourself about the wrong things. But listen, he says, you need to recognize that God of all comfort, who, watch verse four, follow me now, watch, who comforts, y'all see that? The comfort is the person, not the act or the message, who comforts us in all our troubles. King James says tribulation. That word in the Greek means to press or pressure or pressing. So guess when guess when shows up when you feel the pressure. Amen. Guess when God shows up when you feel a press happening on your life. The God of all comfort sends an act or a message to you when you're under pressure. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you've ever been under pressure, the reason why you've been able to handle the pressure is because the God of all comfort showed up to help you handle the pressure. Yeah. Who comforts us in all of our pressing or all of our pressure, all of it, so that we, y'all see that? We can do what? We can comfort. The comfort there is the person that is the comfort and who comforts. So this is what he says. The, the God of all comfort, the actor message, he himself comes to comfort us in all of our pressures. So you and I, you and I, you and I, you and I can do what? We can comfort what? Those are in any what? What's trouble? Pressure. So what's supposed to happen is when you have been relieved of your pressure, it's your job to show up to relieve somebody of theirs. <laughs> oh my God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? A lot of people are under pressure because they have nobody come alongside to help relieve the pressure. But there's no way if God helps relieve your pressure that you're not now in position to help somebody relieve their pressure. In other words, one hand ought to help the other hand. 
so that we can comfort those in any pressure with this. Watch this. With the, y'all see that? Comfort. Y'all see that? With the comfort. That comfort is the message or the act. So he says, who comforts the person? Us and all of our pressure went so that we, the people, can, and the, can comfort those in any pressure with the same message that we've received. So whatever message that helped you with your pressure, you're supposed to take that same message and help somebody relieve their pressure. That we ourselves receive from who, though? From God. So God himself gave you a message that relieved your pressure. You're supposed to take that message and help somebody else relieve. Y'all getting this? I know you got it, mama. Y'all get that? That's the thing. Look, at, put the next verse. Watch this. It, go, it gets better. Somebody say it gets better. I'm going to get that. Wait a minute. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, Right? So also our comfort abounds through Christ. That word suffering is interesting because that word suffering has to do with going through something. So as we share abundantly in going through, that is going through what he went through. So as we share the abundance of what he went through, also, our comfort, that is, our message also increases because of him. So Paul says, the more you go through because of him, the more message of comfort develops in you. Because you got something in you to help somebody get through whatever they're going through. Are y'all hearing? Come on, y'all. Y'all to bless that. Because every last one of you got a story that you came through. Look at the next verse. I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping this up, the theology part. So, if we are distressed, that is, distressed, distressed means to be disturbed or out of order or chaotic. If we are distressed, watch this, this is what he says. If we're distressed, it's for your comfort. That comfort is the act or the message. So, if, watch here what Paul says. If we're going through anything, it's so that we can be a message of hope to you. And salvation, which is the good news. If we are comforted, that is the person, if we experience ourselves comfort, it is for the, your comfort, that is for your message. So if we're distressed, it's your message. If we're comforted, it's your message. So whether we're going through, it's a message for you. Whether we're comforted, it's a message for you. Either way it goes, there's a message for whatever is happening in your life, good, bad, or indifferent. So if you're having a struggle right now, there's a message. If you're going through some issues, that's a message. If you're being disturbed and distressed and you're under pressure, there's a message for somebody who may very well one day go through the exact same thing. Mm. Mm. You hear what I'm saying? You better pay attention. I got you. Listen. It is for your comfort, which does what? Produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. So all of this is about, at the end of the day, producing patience so that you might endure for that which may come down the road. Okay, all right. 
Got the theology out of the way. Everybody clear? Okay, that's the theology. I got it. Okay, theology out of the way. Comfort, paracletus, come alongside. It's the act and the message, or it's the person itself. So God is the message and the messenger. And he delivers as the messenger the message to us so that when we receive the message, then we have an our pressure relieved, go and be the message for somebody else. So it's a post. So listen, here's what happens. Comfort should release comfort. Comfort is not supposed to be kept. It's supposed to be released. Okay. Let me talk to you as a pastor. Hmm. Okay. Theology check. Let me talk to you as a pastor. You know the most difficult thing for a pastor to do is to comfort people who are already comfortable. Because the text speaks that comfort apparently and is inferred to people who are not in a comfortable place. And if you remember, pay attention, you reflect on it later, comfort in this text is connected to suffering. So comfort and suffering. So suffering triggers comfort. It is difficult for a pastor to comfort people who are already comfortable. You're already comfortable. And when you're comfortable, you don't need to be comforted. So if you don't need to be comforted, then that means that there are people that you encounter every day who will never be comforted because comfortable people never see uncomfortable people. You literally spend your life as comfortable people, only looking out for other comfortable people because uncomfortable people make you feel uncomfortable. So every Sunday, pastors wrestle with how do you comfort people who spent their whole entire week finding comfort? So that when you come in, you have no need to be made comfortable because you did nothing uncomfortable during the week. You literally spent your week driving, pushing, leaning, calling, crawling towards being you have no desire to be uncomfortable because you don't like the feeling or the experience of being uncomfortable. So you literally create a life where what you simply do is work at being comfortable. And the hardest thing for a pastor to do every single week is to comfort people who show up already comfortable. And then the pressure is on because he has to produce a service that makes you comfortable. Come on. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to hit you right in between the eyes now. Listen, the service has to make you comfortable. God forbid we switch the worship songs up and sing something you don't know. 
that makes you uncomfortable. God forbid when you came in on Sunday, all the pews were gone and you had to stand for the entire service. That's uncomfortable. God forbid when you came in, you were forced to worship all squeezed into the foyer and nobody could come inside the sanctuary. That would be uncomfortable. You see, we have to wrestle to keep up comfort for the comfortable because there are no uncomfortable to really reach. So all week, you focus on being comfortable and it's hard for a pastor who is supposed to comfort the uncomfortable to comfort those who come in already comfortable because you spent your entire week remaining comfortable. Your week would have looked like this. Now, I'm a, I'm a clinical Christian counselor. I have a PhD in clinical, uh, clinical Christian counseling and I got a practice where I see clients all week long. And, uh, and listen, here's, the main, here's one of the main things that people do every week, every single week, clients that come to me week in and week out, their whole mission is to avoid any conflict, any confusion, any chaos, any change, any unwelcome circumstance. Our goal is to live the status quo. I don't want anything to happen. I don't want anything to disrupt. I don't, want, I don't want any of that. I want to leave all that behind, not realizing that you are who you are because of those things that you went through. Amen. It was, see, the, 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 the message is comfort is the absence of chaos and conflict and confusion and struggle and stress. And so we spend all week long trying to avoid anything that disrupts our peace. That's hard for a pastor to have to minister to people who come in every week and you're already comfortable. Let me tell you the second thing about being a pastor that makes this hard. This is, this is really hard. Listen, this is really hard. It's hard to comfort people who are comforting themselves with comfort that's not healthy. Amen. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that just sank, didn't it? It just like, boom. Right? I, I, I can only imagine how a physician must feel comforting a patient who decides to comfort themselves with that which is unhealthy, and the physician knows very well that what they comfort themselves with is killing them. Amen. That's got to be hard. That's literally got to be hard to be diagnosing a patient where you say to the patient, what you're eating is going to kill you. But the patient comes back with, I know it's going to kill me, but it sure tastes good. Amen. That's got to be hard for a physician to counsel and to encourage a patient who is feeding off that which makes them comfortable, but it's killing them. And that, Pastor Keenan, is exactly what's happening in the church we are feeding ourselves on things that we consider comfortable to us, but don't know is killing us on the inside. Amen. You're literally dying off of what you believe is making you comfortable. But here's the thing. And then you sprinkle a couple of worship songs on it and you throw a Bible verse at it. And then you're satisfied with being comfortable. Everything counter to what actually is in the scriptures. That's got to be hard. It's got to be hard for a pastor every week for somebody to come and say, I'm really being comfortable sitting at home 
two Sundays out of a month, and he knows that that's killing him. It's got to be hard for a pastor, for a member to come and say, I don't need prayer because I just figure I'm going to do this on my own, and I'm at peace with it. And he knows it's killing them. It's got to be hard for a pastor when a member comes and say, you know what, I can just take church or leave it. I really don't have to get in all that. I'm not really religious. I'm not, I'm not into the God. Well, I'm not really there. And knowing that that isolation, individualism, I'm on my own kind of talk is really killing them because it's counter to the. So listen, here's what I understand. Some of the stuff, listen, if this resonates with you here, some of the stuff that you have found Comfort in is not healing you, but it's hurting you. And it's slowly taking you down. And you don't even know it. You're not even aware of just how much it's eroding that which is inside of you. Somebody say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. It literally, you're comfortable with unhealthy consumption of comfort, which for you is an absence of chaos and confusion and conflict. As long as I don't have any of that in my life, I'm straight. The problem is that God has not wired that your God life be comfortable. But here's the problem. We have spent so much energy focusing on our personal life to the neglect of our God life that our God life is no longer responsive to God where he is. We've made our personal life the pursuit. We're so adamant about having a personal life without any chaos, without any struggle, without any troubles, without any issues, without any flack, without any resistance, without any drama, without any trauma. We're so pursuing a life that is comfortable that it has caused us to neglect the God life, which was never designed to be comfortable. Your God life is not supposed to be comfortable. But we have chosen our personal life as if now I'm stuck with a choice, personal life or God life, and we have chosen the personal life. And so here's what happened. Every single week, all you're bringing to the altar is personal life drama. You're not bringing any God life drama at all. It's all personal. It's all he won't talk to me. It's all our marriage is this. It's all our kids are not doing this. It's all, it's all personal, but there is nothing spiritual. Nobody comes in and talk about the spiritual warfare you engaged in because that's the God life. Because anytime you give attention to the God life, there is conflict. By default, there's conflict and confusion and chaos and constriction in the God life. But because our focus is to have a better personal life, we neglect the God life and wonder. Now listen, in your personal life, you might be better, but the kingdom is not better. Amen. You might be growing, but the church is not growing. You might be at a better place, but the house of God is not in a better place. And what happens is when you have a body filled of people who spent the whole week growing their personal life and nobody dealing with the uncomfortable of their God life, then what happens is you have a church that is not getting worse, but it ain't getting any better either. 
You're not losing anybody, but you're not gaining anybody either. Because what you're trying to do is to maintain the level of comfort because the level of comfort is you are accustomed to living and drawing and practicing and behaving toward. So therefore, the God life gets ignored. And so all is about personal life. I get it. I get it. You want to be comfortable. You want to be pain-free. You want to be problem-free. You want to be chaos-free. Oh, by the way, from a, as a, cl a clinician, that's unrealistic because you'll never be able to avoid pain. Amen. You'll never be able to avoid problems. Let me talk to you as a therapist. You'll never be able to avoid trouble in this life. Trouble is going to happen. But we spend all of our effort trying to bolster our personal life so that it avoids the problems of this life. But Jesus himself said, in this life, you're going to be filled with trouble. It doesn't mean you need to go chase it, but why are you shocked when it happens? It's the difference between what we say, learning how to have a reaction versus having a response. And when you're pursuing your personal life, your whole life is about a reaction and not about a response. Everything is about reacting to something that's disrupting your peace and robbing of your life. So when you and your husband or you and your wife have an argument, everything is disrupted. Everything is out of whack because my peace, you're disturbing my peace and all this and all stuff as opposed to understanding that conflict is not necessarily bad it's just a reminder that we ain't talked about something Amen. that's what conflict is it's just a reminder that we miscommunicating with each other we just not found a better way to talk to each other because we listen imperfectly and we communicate imperfectly never think that when you say something that you said it so well that everybody should have understood and never think that you heard it so perfectly that there's no way you could have misunderstood what somebody said, because that's not true. You speak imperfectly, you hear imperfectly, which means there's always room for error every time you talk and every time you listen. Because what I do know is I'm going to say something that's going to be imperfect, and I know you're going to hear it perfectly, and somewhere we got to sort out the pieces. But you've got to realize that God is not happy that you build your house but neglect his. He devoted a whole Old Testament book to make sure that their house was right, but they neglected his house so that there was no centralized place where people can draw, where they knew the power of God can move. Yeah, God wants you to have food on your table, but that's a given, so why are you pursuing putting food on your table when God has already declared that the food will be on your table when you get there? You can't be worried about what you're going to eat in the next 30 minutes. Why? Because it's going to be there. They're not going to shut the restaurant down before you get there. They're not going to run out of steak. They're going to run out of pork. They're not going to run out. They're not going to run out. And here's the thing. If that restaurant run out, there's another one right next to it. And if they run out, then guess what? Somebody you sit next to, they got a little extra. You can go over there and eat. Bro, with the cap, I'm coming to your house. Okay, I'm coming to your house. Then we spend too much time in this season of church life, focusing on our personal life and projecting the life, we really into God. You're not into God because you're just into God? Then here's the thing. Here's the evidence of being in God. When you've been released from your pressure, you would take that and go help release somebody else from their pressure. Now, where is the person who you released from their pressure this morning? Amen. Where are they this morning? You mean tell me you're here, but they are not? You mean there was somebody you 
You got, you're not, because maybe our focus has been on our personal life to the neglect of our God life. It's hard as a pastor when you have to focus on comforting those who don't need to be comforted. And it's hard as a pastor to comfort people who are comforting themselves with that which is unhealthy, even after you tell them you know you shouldn't be doing that, and you know you shouldn't be eating that, and you know you shouldn't be thinking that, and you know you shouldn't go there. Yeah, but pastor, you don't understand. But pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. Or pastor, you don't know what I'm dealing with. But pastor, you don't know the ups and downs. You know, listen, he has to know because his job is to relieve the comfortable. But he is literally... Listen, on river's edge, always dealing with the same personal issue that you have that you could have fixed last week. The personal issue last week. You know how you could have fixed it? Stop doing what you was doing. You could, have, you could have dealt with it last week. You could, have, you could have laid it to rest. And so somehow we made personal issues, spiritual issues, and this is the reason why we're not taking any kingdom territory because the kingdom is not threatened by the fact that you are still struggling with the same thing that you refuse to get any help with. Quite frankly, some of you don't just need Jesus. You need a therapist too. Amen. And here's what I believe. God heals but he also heals through human and divine instruments. But I know, you got this. You're going to handle this. And so the issue is, the church generationally, let me speak to you apostolically, church generationally is not reproducing. It's not growing here and staying in the same. All we're doing is recycling the same people now in a consumer mentality because they're looking to consume that which builds up the personal life but not anything that would make them uncomfortable in the God life. So you got to bounce from ministry to ministry and place to place and church to church and then when you become dissatisfied with the church experience then you're just not going at all and then oh by the way anytime you don't go to church you just went to church because no church is still a church. (laughs) So you just decided to go to a church at home. So whatever your address is, that's your church. And then you just became the lead pastor of that church. You've made a decision as the lead pastor, as the priest of your house. This is what we do. Now you get to control your church. You're adamant that you didn't like what was going on. At the so you don't have to give, which is a lie, because you have to give to yourself all the time if you're going to eat. Which you don't have to show up for, which is a lie, because you have to show up for yourself or else things don't get done. Which you don't have to listen to nobody, which is a lie, because you have to learn to listen to yourself. So everything that you're fighting that you don't like in the church is a thing you end up having to do in your own church. Ah. Mm. 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 And I'm sitting, Pastor Keenan, listening to this all week, and I'm like, mm, mm. What, what's wrong, Dr. Shanklin? What's wrong? What, what's wrong, Dr. Mm, mm. What's wrong, Dr. Shanklin? What, did, did I say something wrong? Mm, mm. It's like, oh my gosh, am I, am I a horrible person? Am I really, I told you, raise up. Mm. Mm. Oh my gosh, say anything. This has got to be the most hard ever because I got this doctor for me. He's supposed to help me. And he's, mm, mm. 
And they's like, what's mm, mm, And then they repeat it. As I, mm, they say, mm, I say, mm, they say, mm. It's a call and response. Mm, mm. I said, that's the sound you should be making for all that nonsense you keep coming out of your mouth. Sir, we're not growing. You know why we're not growing? Because nobody's paying attention to their God life anymore. Because we're not accustomed to lean in and laying in with what's uncomfortable. But do you know that your God life is supposed to be uncomfortable? It's not supposed to be comfortable. It's not. It's never supposed to be comfortable. You're supposed to be uncomfortable in your faith. Be a wrestling and a struggling and a striving and a contention. When you're no longer wrestling, you surrendered. When you're no longer fighting and holiness, when you're no longer fighting a God mindset, when you're no longer looking at somebody and desiring that they come to know God, you've surrendered. When you've literally given in to all that is the flesh and all that is the heart. Listen, let me just tell you this. I want to just say this to you apostolically. God don't have a problem with you building up your, listen, your personal life. That's not the problem. The problem is that when your personal life gets built up and you have nothing left to add to your God life. Your personal life is supposed to free you. Watch this. Being comfortable in your personal life. Watch, watch this. Listen, here comes the nugget. Being com uh, listen, being comfortable in your personal life frees you up to be uncomfortable in your God life. Amen. 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 You see, I can be comfortable that my kids are good and be uncomfortable around other kids who have not yet learned about the power of God. Amen. I could be comfortable that my bills are paid for and be uncomfortable around people who are struggling so that I can have a heart like God to help participate in what that giving looks like so they can relieve, be relieved of the same pressure that I've been relieved from. You see, God doesn't Listen, he's not anti you being comfortable in your life. He's anti you being comfortable in your life and you staying stuck there. And the church is not faring any different, any better, not growing, not moving, not shifting, not taking any territories whatsoever. I am not impressed. I've, I've spoken in megachurches. I've spoken to nations. I've, I've spoken on four continents. I'm never impressed about the size of what's going on in the church. I'm impressed of what's happening in the neighborhood when the church lets out. I'm impressed about not the spirit that's in here. I'm impressed by what the spirit is like out there. I'm not impressed that we have a high time here because that's important. I just want to know, does it translate out there? You come here and be comfortable. The temperature's right. The fans are blowing. It's cool in here. It might be hot out there. But the issue is, are you willing to be comfortable here for about an hour or so, but be uncomfortable out there among people who don't know what you know, but need to know what you already know? We spend all our time running from the uncomfortable and literally running from the uncomfortable end up in a place where we're lulled to sleep and we're lazy, and at the end of the day, God finds no use for us at all. So what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, 
his personal life and end up losing his soul because in the end, you've done nothing in your God life. Let me end by speaking to you prophetically because this is what I understand prophetically. God is not interested at the end of the day of your comfort unless, in fact, you're doing something that is uncomfortable. So here's my challenge to you prophetically. Make it up in your mind that this coming week and beyond, you're going to put yourself in something that's uncomfortable to start priming yourself to get used to the feeling of being uncomfortable. Do that to, as a small step towards getting to the place where you're uncomfortable again. Ask God to shake you to the degree that you'll no longer be satisfied sitting in the cool space. Listen, the man in Mark chapter 5 who had the lesion in him, he, the man, was filled with the lesion, cutting himself, breaking chains that were on his wrist, Big Mike, and breaking chains that were on his ankles and howling and, and making all that noise. And then he encountered Jesus. And then after he counted Jesus and the demons left him, the Bible says that the people came out of town, the Decapolis, and they saw him sitting and clothed in his right mind. And there he was. And the people were afraid. And they were afraid because they found out what happened to the demons and their livelihood, the stock that went off the side of the hill. The young man, as Jesus turned to leave, ran up to Jesus and said, I want to go with you. Comfort. But Jesus says, no, I need you to go back to the town. Be uncomfortable. And tell the people what I've done for you. You know how uncomfortable it is? Because they remember how raggedy he was. They knew how demon possessed he was. But yet Jesus didn't allow him to get in the boat of comfort with the other disciples. He admonished them, I need you to go to the uncomfortable place. I need you to get the message out that if God can do it for you, he can do it for them. If full potential is going to reach its full potential, it's got to be prepared to be uncomfortable. Prepared to be lifted and shifted into uncomfortable places among uncomfortable people because here's what I know prophetically and here's what I know clinically as a therapist. Change only happens when you're uncomfortable. It never happens when you're comfortable. So if you're sitting before me today and you're saying, hey doc, hey bishop, I'm not growing, it's probably related to the fact that you're too comfortable. Because change never happens in comfort. It always happens in the discomfort of life. Amen. And I want you to understand that motivation gets you going, but it's discipline that keeps you growing. And at the end of the day, if you want to change, you got to willing to be uncomfortable. If you're willing to be a morning person, to get up in the morning, even if you don't like getting up in the morning. If you want to have a quality quiet time, then you have to be uncomfortable with silence before God. If you literally want to change your life, you have to be uncomfortable doing something that is required in order for the change to happen. Change comes because you're willing to step into that which is uncomfortable. If you want a better marriage, you got to be willing as a husband and wife to do the uncomfortable. Part of the uncomfortable as a husband and wife is the both of Deciding that we're not going to live on who's right. We're just going to live on what we have as a common ground. Amen. That's why I tell married couples all the time. 
therapy. I tell them, instead of starting off what you disagree with, how about starting off what you do agree with? And then begin there. You'll win more arguments starting with what you agree than standing your position and protecting your little plot of land and nobody's going to take it from me. Relationships going nowhere, but the moment we start with what we agree with. So let's agree that somehow or another we need to become uncomfortable if you're going to see growth in this place. What do we need to do in the next elders meeting, the next staff meeting, get in there and say, what will make us uncomfortable that will force us to make some kind of change so we can do something different so people can know that if you are uncomfortable, God has got a place for you that will lead you to comfort. Because 2 Corinthians says he's the God of all comfort. And he comforts those with the same comfort where we need comforted so that we can comfort those who need comfort through all of our troubles and tribulation. And guess what? Everybody point over that way. Point towards that wall. Point towards that wall. You know what's out there? There is pressure and pressing out there. Amen. Let's be honest. 100. Let's keep it 100. Can I keep it 100? Yeah, I'm going to keep it 100. Here's 100. Ain't no pressure in here right now. You ain't feeling no pressure. Ain't nothing pressing against you. Even if you had pressure when you came in here, for this brief moment, you came out of pressure. Ain't nothing pressing up against you. Ain't nobody forcing you. Nobody twisting you all. Ain't nobody making you sing. Ain't nobody making you stand up. Ain't nobody forcing you to listen. Ain't nobody. Nobody's forcing you to do nothing in here. There's nothing in this moment that you're uncomfortable about. And whatever uncomfort you're feeling, it'll be over in a minute. It'll pass. You're not feeling uncomfortable. But let me tell you, you're not growing either because growth ain't happening here. You know where growth happens? When I give you the benediction, you go out there and you step into what's uncomfortable. And it's in that place of uncomfort. Yeah, you're trying to go back to school, it might be uncomfortable studying again. Okay, be uncomfortable with studying again. But guess what? Your life is going to change. You want to start your own business? It might be uncomfortable having to go without eating for a while and losing a little Tell you what, going without eating and losing a little sleep will pay off in the end when that business is booming and growing. You see, you got to be willing to be uncomfortable in the moment. And here's what the Bible says. If you step into uncomfort, if you step into what is uncomfortable, God shows up with the comfort you need so you can get through what you need to get through. That's how it works. And maybe, I just want to talk to a few of you and I'm finished. Maybe been needing to make a decision, but you've been afraid of how uncomfortable it might make you. I want to speak to those people. Well, you know, a lot of people don't know that when Moses brought the message of deliverance to the Israelites in Egypt, what a lot of people don't know, according to Jewish history and, and tradition, not every Israelite left Egypt some of them made a decision to stay behind. And you know why they decided to stay behind? Because they did not want to endure the uncomfortableness of the desert to get to the promise. So they stayed in Egypt because they didn't want the desert. And some of you don't want the desert. So you just stay in abuse. You just stay in poverty mentality. You just stay in addiction. You just stay in struggle. Some of you are accustomed to enduring the pain of brokenness rather than dealing with the pain of healing and not knowing that the pain of healing is shorter than the pain of brokenness. 
So how about today, enduring? Listen, you've been to the doctor and you've had to have a procedure and you endured the temporary discomfort of the procedure because of the healing it gave you away from the long-term problem that you were enduring. Why not make this switch today? I, listen, can I just speak today for the one that is afraid of how uncomfortable they might be made for a decision that got to be made. If that's you, I want you to just raise your hand because I want to pray a power of release over your life today. And you got a decision. You know it's going to be uncomfortable. And here's the other struggle for you. You want to make a decision, but here's the thing. You are afraid of other people who might make you feel uncomfortable for your decision. But this ain't got nothing to do with other people. This literally has to do with you in 2 Corinthians. And God says, if you step out in discomfort, God will show up with the comfort. He'll help relieve and release the pressure and the pressing so that you can find yourself able to stand up under whatever this critical decision you have to make. So it's decision time. Let's stand all over the sanctuary. It's decision time this morning. Let's stand. It's decision time this morning, this afternoon. It's decision time. The church will never grow. The church will never grow. The modern church, the Western church. If you can search the scriptures in your mind, you realize that it was only as the church was going through that the church exploded because of what it went through, because of the discomfort, because of the uncomfortableness. Growth happened because they were willing to be uncomfortable. Every message in the New Testament and every epistle contain elements that when you're uncomfortable, God shows up to help grow you. It was James, Jesus' brother says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith, that is, in that uncomfortable place, patience is being worked in me. Peter talked about enduring the suffering of the Lord. Listen, sometimes you got to put your God life on display to let people know that there's still a standard of righteousness and holiness. There's still a standard of God's love and forgiveness and grace. There's still a standard of God's mercy that he's willing to pour out upon all. But it don't just happen in a vacuum. It happens through people. And there's some of you here on the sound of my voice. God has been wanting to use at next level, but you're distraction over your personal life and its comfort has caused you to abandon your God life and therefore no longer in that place of uncomfort where he can use you. But let me just speak to you because you do know God has been calling you and if you're that person, eyes closed, I want you to just lift your hand. I just want to see where you are. No, this is not an opportunity to be spectated upon but an opportunity to respond. God, I, I hear you. I don't like to be mediocre in my God life. I really want to talk to those who you got a you got a you got a pretty decent personal life. It's not it's not everything you want it to be, but but it's pretty decent. It's 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 pretty good. It's you're doing all right. It's at least you got a roof over your head, you got food on the table, you know your kids are in sports and you're fishing and you're camping and you're in baseball and you, you, you got a pretty good, decent life. But you know, you know 
that God life requires so much more. You've been kind of missing out on that and maybe today you want to make that right. So listen, here it is. This is the moment. This is the moment where you can reposition. You don't bring somebody in like me without giving you an opportunity to reset yourself. He doesn't extend this invitation through your pastor for me to come in just merely that I can make the air fill with flowery words and great oratory speech, but literally to invite you to change. Jesus asked those Pharisees, scribes, and the lawyers when John the Baptist came speaking, was his message from heaven or was it human? And they argued among themselves, if we say it's from heaven, he's going he's gonna to ask us then, why didn't we hear what John had to say? And if we declare that it was by human origin, then the people might, they might stone us because they revere John as a prophet. What are you going to do with this word today? Are you going to let this moment pass by? Are you going to judge this word? Are you going to be prejudiced? Are you going to discriminate against this word? Or are you going to lean into this word and own the fact that God, my God life needs to be reset. And the God life is never about comfort. It's literally about being uncomfortable. And then God brings the comfort to me while I am doing for him what is worthy of his name. So maybe today that's you. Just lift your hands real high. I just want to bless you. I just I literally want to bless you. I just, I just want to bless you. I want to speak to your life. Father, as you see the hands that are raised. And maybe for some of you, you just need to be surrendered to God all over again like you ain't never been surrendered to him before. I want you to do that. You raise your hand. God, I just, if I had to do it all over again, I would just want the feeling of being that radical God follower, Jesus name invoking among my friends, my family, my associates, my community. I want to be that. So I release it right now in the name of Jesus. I got a bosata. I release the power of God to reset you in this very moment, in this very hour. Be reset right now in his name. Be reset. And if there's some area in your life that may prevent you from embracing the uncomfortableness of your God life, that something in your personal life that's hampering you, then I feel the Spirit say, come to the altar so that I might release this word. Because God is not anti your personal life. He just doesn't want you to stay stuck there. He wants that to be a gateway for you to be okay with being uncomfortable in your God life. So maybe you need that moment. Will you come to the altar? Just one, just two. Sometimes all it takes is one to make a move. I understand that there was a move last week, but God never measures how many moves can happen in the house. If you came once, you could come again. Maybe there was one area that was dealt with. Maybe there's another. May God fix a particular area in your personal life. You got to admit, come confessing. God, my personal life is getting in the way of my God life. So if you can work with my personal life, then Lord, I would be open to the uncomfortableness of my God life. Lord, meet me here. So maybe you need to be met there so you come. Thank you, daughters. Come on, y'all. Maybe, God, just maybe I need to bring my personal life to this space.
bring my personal life. Thank you, brother. I need to bring my personal life. Sometimes, listen, if we're honest, thank you, brother. Sometimes if we're honest, our personal life has gotten in the way. Let's just be honest. This is a, this is a comfortable place. It's a comfortable place where I can be honest about my stuff. Nobody has to know the resume, the pedigree of the background. Just know that as you come, a pressure is being released. Come on here. You either keep the pressure on and stay in your seat and then carry it when you leave here. Or as you make your way, there is a supernatural release of pressure because the word comes and it covers and hovers over you and makes its way. Makes its way in a way that you've never experienced it before. Listen, here's what I need you to do. Grab your neighbor's hand so that they can sense a release of pressure. Come on, grab somebody. Because sometimes just the feeling of somebody next to me who can at least stand in this place, if they don't even know all of the nuances and the minutia and the mundane of what I'm experiencing, if I can just know somebody is next to me. And since God is the one who is the God of comfort, who comforts us, then allow God to then make a connection by the person next to you right now to come on somebody who to relieve you of your personal pressure so that it frees you to your God life. Help us right now, God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Help us in this very moment in the name. Come on, y'all. Come on here. I need your voice right now. Let the pressure be released. God, we just bless you right now. We bless you right now, God. Come on, we bless you right now. God, we just bless you right now, God. God, we just bless you. Can I just get seven of you just to open your mouth and say, God, I just bless you. Sometimes, sometimes when there is a tank filled with hot air, and steam is building up. You have to open the valve in order to relieve some of the pressure. I don't need the whole house to speak. I just need two or three of you to be the valve to release the pressure in this moment. So I need you not to be afraid. I need you to be uncomfortable with worshiping in public. I need you to be uncomfortable with opening your mouth saying, God, I'm going to thank you in public. I don't care how many people are around. I'm going to bless you at this very moment. If my work of being uncomfortable starts now before the benediction, then let it happen right now before I leave here. Let this be dress rehearsal. I open my mouth and God, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this moment. Even now asking God to relieve you of that personal pressure. Come on here. God, we awaken ourselves and draw into your Holy Spirit. And God, we become uncomfortable in this moment. Because there's nobody like you. We just sung about it. And so now, Lord, we praise you about it. Because you are worthy to be praised. Listen, y'all, the change is real. Make it happen. If you're unaccustomed to lifting your hands, will you lift your hands in the place? Just lift them. This is uncomfortable, but lift your hands in worship. Lift your hands if you're uncomfortable. I've never, I'm uncomfortable lifting my hands. Well, that's when you should do it. Just lift your hands. You're uncomfortable, but open your mouth. Open your mouth and say, God, right here, right now, this moment of uncomfortableness, I surrender it to you. If you're on the sound of my voice and you've never been to an altar, come to an altar. If you think that I'm a young kid, people think I'm embarrassed, I'm ashamed, shame and leave shame aside. Claire, I will be uncomfortable because the moment you're willing to be uncomfortable under the preacher, the moment that shame no longer has any authority over you. Yes, 
I declare that any guilt be done away with right now in the name of Jesus. I declare that any hindrances and brokenness of the past be shriveled up and shrunk in the power of Almighty God. May every devil that's tried to keep you from reaching the place of destiny that God desires to reach in your life be canceled in the name of God. Let it be declared that today, yeah, I bless my God in an uncomfortable way. I bless you, God. Come on, y'all. Just bless him. Just, just lift your voice. Just lift your voice. You ain't got to be loud, but just lift your voice. God, I thank you. Just right there. Just, can we say that? I thank you, God. I thank you. Can we just say that? I'm going to throw it back there to the back. I thank you, God. I'm going to throw it to the middle. I want, you to, I want to hear you say it. I thank you, God. Come on, I'm going to throw it to the left side. My left, your right. I thank you, God. I'm going to throw it back over here to the right. Can you lift your voice? I need, a, I need, a, I need an orchestra. I need, I need a symphony of a sound of I thank you, God. There it is. There's a hallelujah in that moment. Come on, I need you to live. I need, this is Father's Day. I want to hear the sound of a father. This is Father's Day. I want to hear the sound of a father. I want to hear a father thanking God for his life. Thanking God for his family. Thanking God for this right now. I hear the sound of a father. For when a father speak, the word spoke. And when the word spoke, it stuck. And we declare today that God, nobody's going to shut down what you're opening up at this moment. We bless you, oh God. 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 There it is back there. Oh, we bless you, oh God. 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 The God of second chance, the God of a third chance, the God of a fourth chance, the God of the fifth chance, the sixth, the seventh, the eighth, the ninth, the tenth, the eleventh, the twelfth, the thirteenth. He is the God of second chances. And he's able to fix the personal life so that I could be crazy in my God life. So God, we surrender to you right now in this moment. May your name be exalted and may your glory be revealed and may full potential never be the same ever again.